You're entering the content studio by GLC. We are here to answer questions you didn't even know you had about reaching and fully engaging your audience. Stay tuned for insights from established content marketing pros. All right, we're happy to welcome to the content studio today, Paula Fry, who is GLC's Senior VP of Healthcare Strategy. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of discussion on reader surveys and how content marketers can use that to actually hone their engagement with their audience, find out what their audience is thinking about, what they're responding to in the materials that are being put out, and get even more insights. So hi, Paula. Hi, good morning. So let's talk a little bit about why it's good for communications teams, marketing teams, to conduct readership surveys. Sure. Reader survey is a type of market research tool. And what's unique about it is it's interactive. So it uses specific questions that actually start broad, get more narrow, just like any market research tools. And what we're trying to do is ask specific questions related to the content program, such as a publication, a blog, an e-newsletter, an in-person event, or other communications programs where we want to measure reader interest, engagement, and satisfaction. Do you find that this is something that has to be done frequently, or is it a special purpose tool? What's the best way to use them? What we recommend at GLC is that reader surveys are conducted annually. The benefits of an annual reader survey is so we can make sure that enough content has been delivered and consumed by readers um, so we can look at preferences, insights, and engagement longitudinally over time. Um, And then what we can also do is look and compare questions over time. So if we do an annual survey, then we should make sure that certain questions appear in each of those surveys So we can look at how readers have responded over time and how those responses have fluctuated either in a positive, negative, or neutral fashion. Uh, One other comment in terms of frequency is if we launch a special program or a special initiative, sometimes we'll recommend that maybe 30 days after that initiative or 60 days or consult with a client on when they are potentially going to be evaluating the program in terms of ROI measurement and sync up those hard results with our reader survey and really do a complete evaluation of that special program or initiative. That syncing up, does that mean that they're looking at their internal data as well as what the reader survey can generate? Absolutely. So when we construct a content program, We're looking for subjective and objective triggers and measurements. So a reader survey, which is generally more subjective, will look at engagement. How long did you spend with that content program? How long did it take you to read a magazine from front to back? Or do you skim scan or read that magazine? What we're also looking at um, in terms of objective data 
is if a client has a CRM tool, where are the transactions? What are readers doing after they make an initial transaction online? Are they turning from a prospect to a customer? Are they turning from a customer to a more frequent customer? So those are very tangible, trackable transactions. And then the reader survey paired with those results can really give a total picture about the success of a content program. Sounds like it would be absolutely critical information to have. Are there other benefits to doing reader surveys? I think there's a tremendous number of benefits to a reader survey. Uh, We want to look at reader demographics, which would be self-reported during the survey questionnaire. Uh, We want to look at how readers engage with certain content. What are their preferences? What don't they want to continue to learn about or read about? Um, What are topics that they want to uh, see in the future to make sure that this really is a partnership content program, that it's not just about the organization wanting to, you know, get everything from the reader, but we want to make sure that the reader's wants and needs are also reflected in the future content delivery within the program. Uh, We also want to make sure to see and measure if certain content is causing the awareness and preference for that organization or program. And we're also looking for overall brand awareness and how is this publication program or content program influencing future utilization behavior and brand awareness and preference. Is there sort of an ideal length for a reader survey? I would imagine that people are very busy, and but sometimes people really want to give their opinion so they would agree to participate in a reader survey. But what's an ideal length? Generally, we construct surveys which are 10 to 20 questions long. So we want to make sure that we get an in-depth picture of what readers want and what their preferences are, but we don't want to go overboard um, to the point where a reader is going to click out of finishing the survey. These are generally delivered through an online survey tool. We want to make sure that the majority of the questions have checkboxes or a drop-down menu so that we can quickly look at responses as they pour in from our readers. Uh, We also want to include a few open-ended responses. And those are sort of a double-edged sword because we want to hear directly in our readers' own words as it relates to their impressions or thoughts about the content program but sometimes people use that opportunity to vent, uh, to talk about other things that they like or don't like about the organization or their experiences at the organization. And that's really not really the place to record those comments. Normally, there are other methods to... To let people get their point yes, across yes, to the organization. And so, um, and also in terms of just making sure that our surveys get responses, 
we recommend that there are incentives. And there should usually be um, two or three incentives, not just one, because people, it's like the lottery, right? How could I just win the lottery if I only buy one ticket? So we want to make sure that there's enough interest and ability to win something if somebody completes the survey. You talked about how these are being mostly deployed online, and I'm sure that's because it's an easier way for you to then gather and read the data afterward. But is it also an easier method these days than including, for instance, a mail-in paper insert in a print magazine? And plus, I guess you're also dealing now with blog and online content you want to measure as well. So talk about the, the mediums in which surveys can be produced. The, the scales have definitely tipped in the online direction for many, many years and for many, many reasons, as you commented, Myrna. Uh, so it's easier for the reader to complete. It, we can look at real-time results or you know next-day results, and we can see if responses aren't coming in at necessarily the clip that we desire. We can always redeploy an email or we can post a, hey, on the blog, hey, complete this reader survey with a link to the online survey. So there are more instantaneous techniques that we can use to make sure that readers see this opportunity to provide feedback as often as possible within that survey uh, window. There are several clients, though, that do both types of surveys. Those surveys obviously are hand tabulated, so those take more time to sort of get to the finish line than an online survey. But I think if there is budget to do a paper survey as well as an online survey, you might get different results. We might be able to fill more, quote, cells within the reader demographic pool. So oftentimes people that may have a little more time, they'll fill out that survey by hand and mail it in. Maybe those readers also are not as tech savvy. So if given a choice, they'll complete the paper survey Whereas most people, I think today, are more likely to click a link and complete it online. So we want to make sure if there is budget available that we use both mediums. So let's talk a little bit about response rates. Are there some standards that are generally applied, like a 1%, 5%, 10% response rate of the expected audience? I used to think that there was a standard, which is generally one or 2%, but I'm not sure that that is the standard any longer, especially for a readership survey that is not conducted by a professional research company. When we do the type of reader surveys that we've really been talking about today, which are easy to deploy, easy to program, very cost-effective, we are not guaranteed statistically significant results, nor are we guaranteed that we can generalize to the entire readership group. However, it still is a really important gauge as to how readers are 
evaluating the content program. So it's not all for naught. It's just really much more cost-effective and quicker to deploy and evaluate and provide recommendations going forward than hiring a research company. What are some of the most interesting things that organizations discover from reader surveys? Are there certain areas where there are surprises or are there things where they're more just confirmatory, like, oh, okay, good. We we thought that was what we were telling people and they're getting that message. I think more often than not, we are looking to confirm what we might already be sensing. So maybe it's time for a redesign. Maybe we're not posting blogs as frequently as possible or we're posting them too frequently, or that we're not getting good traction or we're getting great traction between a blog post and a response. Sometimes we'll think or the client will think that, wow, this is the most effective tool and we'll get confirmation on that. Or we will consult with a client that we think that it's time to tweak the content platform. And then we'll get an opportunity to really prove or disprove those hypotheses. I think for content programs that are pretty consistent, we don't often see a lot of surprises, but we always get an opportunity to learn what are some of the trends or what are top picks that our readers are looking to hear about? I think that's the most refreshing part of what we learn. And then um, certainly when we look at age groups or have you ever used services from an organization or gone to a, an annual conference from an organization, how do those sort of sync up to what we already thought about those engagement opportunities? Yeah, that's interesting. Do you feel that we talked a little bit about statistical significance? Is it wise to change direction based on a survey that is obviously very limited in terms of the overall readership? Or is it one of those cases where the squeaky wheel is getting the grease, but That grease is good for the whole wagon. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. The results and recommendations, I do think, should be fluid. So maybe there are some things that we implement right away because we sort of sense this and now we have some confirmation. And if we have a response rate of 1%, but that's several hundred respondents, Uh, then we know that there is some generalizable trend there that we should pay attention to. And sometimes we do get feedback from readers and maybe that feedback is sort of documented, but it's not acted upon right away because our clients are still delivering content to their readers. And oftentimes if you change things too quickly, you may be losing out on some of the original goals and objectives as to why you started doing this content program to begin with. Wow. Well, Paula, this has been really helpful. Is there anything else about reader surveys that you feel content marketers 
should know they haven't already gone down that road. I would just recommend that we follow the golden rule, which is to do the reader survey annually. And because measurement today, even once a year, which seems sort of like a long time horizon, but measurement is key. Data is key. Information is key. And we also want to make sure that our clients are able to sustain these programs and having good, solid feedback from readers that support the continuation of the program and that supports the organization's brand awareness and preference, that you commit to measurement and discovery and analysis so you can reevaluate how the program is doing and make changes to make it better. Excellent. All right, Paula, thanks so much for talking to us today. I think this is offering content marketers a lot of really good information and insight. And we hope that everybody will go over to our content hub and find out more great lessons about how to engage your audience. Thanks a lot for your time, Myrna. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Content Studio by GLC. Come again next month for more ways to get the word out about your organization. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, if you're ready to jumpstart your content marketing program, go to our resources page at glcdelivers.com forward slash resources to download checklists, templates, webinars, and more.